back to our third episode of Let's Debunk It Vaccines. So, today we're going to be talking about conspiracy theories. And as we hinted at, the first thing we're going to try and tackle is what I think is the most interesting vaccine conspiracy theory is the microchip conspiracy theory. Microchips. Well, it's kind of interesting to think about it. Microchips being inserted into your body through needles that are extremely small. I mean, you could really call the COVID pandemic kind of an infodemic in a way, an information pandemic. Uh, because it's just all this stuff was spread and it's it's crazy to think that people are believing microchips can be inserted into your body through such small needles uh, whatever gauge is used I'm not entirely sure off the top of my head but whatever gauge of needle is used for the intramuscular shot that the COVID vaccine and a lot of other vaccines are used to administer. Um, But I, you know, my technical knowledge is not the best, but my gut feeling is that we don't even make microchips that small. Well, I mean, like, what exactly is a microchip? I mean, when you think of a microchip, you think of something in a phone or on a, a, you know, a CPU board or whatnot. A micro SD card. Yeah. I mean, like, a a microchip is something integrated to the circuitry of an electronic device like, you know, your cell phone, for example, or your computer. It's, I mean, when, when I think of a microchip, usually it's like, you know, that little square thing Maybe the size of like you know a penny. I'd say yeah. What's smaller than a penny? What the what's the English currency? They have the pound. Uh, that's all I know. I'm I'm like sixty percent English, but uh, I've been to England like once. I mean, they do have smaller microchips, but I mean that would be extremely tiny. Because I mean, you think. I mean, when you look at a vaccine, you know, not much is being injected into you. It's the very tiny dosage. And as we, we talked about in the uh, the first episode, dosage is a very important factor in vaccines. Uh, leading back from the toxicity of ingredients who, if you drink, say, a beaker of formaldehyde, you're going to get pretty sick. But the amount that's used in a vaccine is little to none, leading to it being considered trace. So, there are microscopic microchips. That does exist. I mean, I read an article from Colombia, and engineers over there made the world's smallest microchip. I mean, it's... How small? It is tiny. It is the world's smallest microchip was invented in Columbia University, and it is 0.1 millimeter cubed. 0.1 millimeter cubed. So unfortunately, I can't 
show the image of the microchip itself, but it is about the diameter of the needle. Hmm. So, I mean, maybe that's where the possibility of being injected with a microchip when getting vaccinated can come from, because production of such small microchips actually does exist, which I was unaware, but I mean, what would be the reason to microchip populations of people, do you think? I mean, I, I guess the stemming off of the conspiracy theory of microchips is, I guess, you know, the government wants to track people. I mean, it, it's hard to wrap your head around the why you'd want to microchip. It's like the birds. It's like people thinking pigeons are really government spies. They have cameras in in their heads that they're watching us. The government is watching us. What's It's like that book, 1984, government. I mean, I know people do, you know, like, you microchip your pet. That is not uncommon. But microchipping an entire population is, it's hard to wrap your head around why. Think about all the work that had to, or would have to be put into creating all of these microchips at such an extremely small scale and then administering them through a variety of vaccines or injections it would take unholy amounts of manpower to to get it to exist which leads a lot of room for some sort of factual evidence being brought forth whereas here there's no evidence that a microchip has been used in vaccines or especially the COVID vaccine which has been um, booming in terms of conspiracy theories I mean this this global pandemic it's a, it's a unique circumstance because so many social anxieties and trust issues are on the fence or one side or the other and so information like I was saying it's an infodemic so information is extremely important uh, but it needs to be the right information it needs to be the correct and factual information so spreading misinformation or disinformation uh, can really be harmful and things spread very quickly nowadays um, I mean, like, just a quick Google search, I can easily find, you know, the world information on, for example, the world's smallest microchip. I mean, at that same exact time, I can Google COVID-19 and get all sorts of information, both good and bad. So, I mean, vaccine hesitancy has grown significantly over the past two years during this pandemic. So challenging that vaccine hesitancy with factual information can really be beneficial in helping those who, who really do think that microchipping is being infused with vaccine injections. Um, and so, I mean, talking to these people that, that do believe, um, and it's, you don't want to be 
too forward. You don't want to be arrogant or or want to aggravate them. Um, but you want to be informative. You want to talk to them. You want to hear them out. There's ways to keep discussion and keep uh, in the conversation going without being at each other's throats the whole time. So another popular or common conspiracy theory, I mean, this, this goes with anything, is that it always boils down to profit. So a lot of people believe that you know, vaccines cause some sort of physical damage, you know, vaccines cause autism, et cetera, et cetera. And people believe that there are pharmaceutical companies that hide the real science behind what a vaccine actually does to continue making profits on the vaccines they make. One of the biggest things during the clinical trials or even just in general the development of vaccines is transparency during the uh, manufacturing because we want to know what's being put into the vaccine, uh, how it's being administered, what kind of injection, ingredients, uh, and so forth. So understanding what's in it, why it's in it, is extremely important. So the transparency there is a key factor that goes into the manufacturing process, which, I mean, anyone can search up the ingredients to uh, a specific vaccine and see what's in it. And bouncing off of that, people, you know, think that they're trying to skim off the surface and, you know, make more profit. Vaccines, in the grand scheme of things, now I'm going to throw some numbers out and they're going to sound like huge numbers, but bear with me. Vaccines don't make a huge profit when compared to other medical expenses and whatnot. Vaccines themselves make about $88.6 billion dollars. Sounds like a lot. Yeah, it sounds like a lot, but when compared to other drugs like uh, like diabetic drugs and whatnot, they make a ton more. T- take a wild guess how much you think hmm. other pharmacies, and, and I'll give you a hint. Uh, vaccines make about 8% of pharmaceutical revenue. So 8%, so we're looking at, what, 92 other percent, uh, if I did my math correctly. So I'm going to have to say my best educated guess would be $678,234,125,002. I would say you're close, but you're unfortunately not. Uh, they, the entire pharmaceuticals makes over a trillion dollars. Wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah. So when you look at how, how quote unquote much, vaccines make, it's it is tiny, compared to, you know, how much other portions mm. make. So another huge conspiracy theory with 
not only the COVID vaccine, but just vaccines in general, is that people believe that vaccines alter your DNA. Uh, I do not know why. Uh, the science behind that isn't sound, whereas the science behind how mRNA, mRNA works with your DNA. So a big difference in that is that there's a huge difference between RNA and DNA. RNA, in layman's terms, basically is how we and how our cells create proteins and express genes versus DNA is your genetic material. It, it's what carries everything, that every bit of information of your body. So, yes, RNA is important and works in conjunction with your DNA. However, the mRNA or messenger RNA, uh, as it pertains to the vaccines, uh, doesn't even enter your the nucleus of these cells. So it, it doesn't even work with your DNA. It doesn't alter your DNA. And it doesn't even come into contact with your DNA. Yeah, think of think of your cells as like a factory. And the nucleus is your boss's office and the DNA is your boss, for example. And, you know, the mRNA is the mailman because it's messenger RNA. That mailman's going to come in, deliver the mail, leave, and never go up to the boss's office and talk to the boss. No interaction there. Precisely. So the messenger RNA works by delivering the instructions for the vaccine, for this example, delivering those instructions uh, about the genetic material of the viruses to ourselves to start building protection against these viruses that cause COVID-19. So after the body produces immune response from the proteins being made, it discards any vaccine ingredients uh, left over uh, as it would in any other instance where it discards any information that the cells really no longer need. So why keep that stuff around? It's not like it's going to be stored in long-term memory for the cells. It's going to be tossed because it, we don't want it to take up space or uh, be any kind of burden on our cells other than being that uh, instruction manual. Yeah, like when you get a package, you know, do you hang on to the box that it came in? I don't know about you, but I do. All right. Well, I mean, I don't. <laughs> I tend to throw I I recycle the box because I'm a good noodle. <laughs> but, yeah. So, like, the messenger RNA just enters your cells, delivers the info, and then it is completely broken down. And when it's broken down, there's no way that the messenger RNA or any part of the vaccine, for that fact, can alter your DNA in any way. There's no physical interaction between the RNA in a vaccine and the DNA in our nuclei. So, 
like you, I mean, that's a great point. The genetic material that's delivered by the mRNA vaccines never enters your nucleus of the cells where your DNA is kept. The viral vector COVID vaccine, like Johnson & Johnson, delivers genetic material to the cell nucleus, but that helps build protection against the COVID-19. However, this vector virus does not have the appropriate machinery needed to actually integrate the genetic material into our DNA, so it can't alter our DNA as well. So the mRNA, as well as the viral vector, have no ability to alter our DNA other than providing instructions, basically giving a book on how to create spike proteins against the uh, COVID virus and allowing our body to build an immune response and build up, say, reading that instruction manual and understanding how to go forth and eliminate, for lack of a better term, the pathogen when it actually does enter the body. Yeah. And I mean, another thing is, these were created to help, not to hinder. Yeah. But this leads into another kind of a conspiracy, and not really a conspiracy theory, but it kind of is. It's it's trusting science, which can be very difficult for an individual that may not have a strong background in science. I'll use the, the CDC, for example. So when the pandemic first started, if you were to get COVID, you know, it was 14-day isolation until, was it 14 days and then... You had to wait till symptoms pass? I believe so. I believe it was for a 14-day quarantine period. And then once you're asymptomatic, you, I think, wear a mask. Yeah. And now it's, what is it? I think it's five days now. It's, it's just a five-day isolation period. Just under a week. With five days of mask wearing after you get the virus. And And people see this and they're like, oh, well, why did the CDC tell me this? You know, 12 months later just to tell me this. You know, it can be very hard to, to trust this giant corporation who every day it sounds like they're telling us some different information. I mean, yeah, I, I can't stress it enough. This is an infodemic. It, it's extremely powerful thing how information spreads quickly and how some can be misconstrued as as fact when in fact it is fiction. So having that kind of fiction material and stuff that is portrayed as fact being spread so rapidly, people can get a misunderstanding of how things actually work or how things are perceived or manufactured or you know the whole nine yards so getting that correct understanding is extremely important and this this bleeds into bias i mean it's it's very very easy to go to google and say you know 
oh, my tooth hurts. You know, what's wrong with me? And it's very, very, very easy to just seek out the information you want to hear. Mm. I mean, yep. you know, let's say you have a big assignment coming up and, you know, your friend, your roommates or whatnot are going out, you know, it's very easy to ask your roommates, should I stay in and do homework or go out and have fun? It's very easy to just ask them because you know what the answer is going to be and you're kind of just seeking the answer you want to see and that's very, very easy to do in this day and age, which is both good. It has its positives, but, it, you know, there are a lot of negatives of how easy it is to just hop on Twitter or Facebook, search up COVID-19 and just seek the information you want to hear and completely ignore what possibly could be the actual factual information that you should be seeking out. I think that term is known as, I think it's confirmation bias. Thank you. That, yes, yeah, that's what so it's called. Confirmation bias is it's a very uh, present thing that has been more prevalent nowadays, I think with the introduction of vaccinations against COVID or just COVID in general. So the, the kind of bias that people, they want to believe, they want to believe something and they won't stop until they find something that allows them to believe it. And they want to find, even though it's, it could be fictional supporting evidence, it's something to say, I knew it, I was right. And, you know, you weren't. You may think you were right. But I mean, it's it's very natural to latch on to something you believe in, right or wrong. But sometimes you just got to stop and think, you know, stop and think and think before you talk and seeking out the right information is a good way to limit these radical conspiracy theory ideas. I mean, it's, it's very easy to hop on Twitter, but Twitter is not a reputable site where, like, you know, you should be using sites like the CDC, for example, or the WHO or CHOP. Yeah, definitely not Twitter or, say, uh, what is it, Mayo Clinic, where you type in, do I have X, Y, and Z? And they're like, yeah, you're going to die soon. Yeah. So don't trust sites like that that are, are extremely polar or biased or um or used like you see a bunch of ads on the on the screen when you something pops up right in your face saying hey subscribe to this uh so you can read more something like that it that you can tell right away is not something you should not a site that you should be trusting because if you have to subscribe to something for information that sh should be free then clearly there is a disconnect between the two. Um, like if you heard on the news or saw on Twitter that, say, for example, vaccines have microchips in them and the government's trying to track us, you can Google that and a, a number of hits will pop up. And you go to a website, you know, we'll use the CDC for an example. You're going to get the f they're going to present you with the facts it's going to be presented. Usually the CDC is pretty good about it. The CDC tries to be more in layman's terms, and I've noticed that they've gotten much better, especially with the pandemic. Like, you go to the CDC, and you can find very 
easy to read and understand descriptions of, for example, why microchips aren't in a vaccine or why the messenger RNA in the COVID vaccine doesn't alter our DNA. It's very easy to read and it's all backed up. And there's always links about, you know, what is RNA? So you can learn about what RNA is through the CDC website. And it's, you can also, on the flip side, click on some website, and immediately upon clicking it, they're like, you know, like Dan said, subscribe to my weekly newsletter for X amount of dollars. Is that website trustworthy? I would not think so. No. I think it's more profit-driven than anything, uh, which can lead people to go down some, some paths that are not favorable in terms of information-wise. But, yeah, I mean, definitely the biggest conspiracy is, I mean, I'd say microchips. And, I mean, the unfortunate thing is how quickly and easily it is to spread misinformation. Yeah, that's what we've seen quite, quite prevalently, prevalently. How can someone go about finding better information to help slow the spread of myths and conspiracies? Visit trustworthy websites. Trustworthy websites, scientific journals, things like the CDC and the FDA and um, definitely not Mayo Clinic or say Mercola.com where you're just you're you're not going to get the factual information. You're going to get either polarized or misinformation. So definitely the CDC is a big one. Uh, they're there to present the information in a factual setting with uh, not only scientific uh, terms, but uh, they kind of lay it out for you all on the table on about the good, the bad, and more so the good. And I mean, the other thing is, you know, don't be afraid to do a little homework. I mean, it's very easy to click on something that looks trustworthy. And, you know, the first thing you see is, you know, X, Y, and Z is prevented by Dr. So-and-so. Do a little homework on who Dr. So-and-so is. If you, you have to do the research. You can't just expect to find something on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, especially Facebook. But, and, and make it so it's factual and believe it to be factual because it couldn't be. And then in that case, misinformation is being spread, which could be harmful or detrimental to other people who who start to believe the same thing or spread that. And it, it can spread so quickly from person to person to group of people to another group of people. And it's just an exponential climb of misinformation that can be... Uh, present yeah don't don't be afraid to do a little homework and you know it's it's only natural to question it's okay to question you know but it's it's not okay to assume do do your homework there's nothing wrong with having a belief but check in with that belief do a little homework does that belief make sense? And with that, we'd like to say thank you so much for listening to our, our podcast. We hope you enjoyed. It was lovely talking to you, even though we don't really see you. 
or hear you. But thank you for listening in, and uh, I hope you enjoy. Stay, stay informative. Get vaccinated, and yes. get vaccinated and wash your hands. Wash your hands. Maybe sing a happy birthday song. And uh, on that note, cue outro music. Uh-huh.